You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. I am Emily Leadham. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. We're having an awesome morning. We want to invite you to visit our webpage, realpresenceradio.com, for more great content for all of the Emily and Chris banter that you may Uh, have missed earlier this morning. Um, There you can listen to programming from your local area or find a podcast if you missed one of these daily shows. Um, You can also submit a prayer intention for Prayerfully Yours, which I think is a a great way to have people across uh, the Midwest that are praying for you. Um, and you can see what's happening across the network on our news page. So be sure to check that out on realpresenceradio.com. We have some exciting things coming up. Uh-oh. You know that sound. <laughs> You've heard the dial tones, and that means that it's time for Straight Talk. You can call 877-795-0122. Okay, we're almost there with that. We just need to work on our uh, pitch. We're a little pitchy. Do you notice that? I'm not blaming you. I'm not saying it's your fault. Wow. I'm just acknowledging that we need to do a little bit more rehearsing. Lesson. I know I need. I know I need voice. You lessons. just always sing an octave lower than the average person. Well, which I, yeah. Well, you're a bass. That's okay. You're a bass. <laughs> she's she's so bass. gentle, so kind. Chris Bergwald, you are in the hot seat today answering questions of faith. So this is really your opportunity as listeners to call in and to let us know uh, maybe the questions that are that are on your heart. If you had questions that uh, were addressed or or that perhaps came up in the last segment when we were talking about the ordination of a new bishop, um, you know, there was uh, some really great discussion about that. If you have questions there, Uh, we have people on standby to take your questions. Again, the number eight. 877-795-0122. That's area code 877-795-0122. Now is the time. Our call screeners are available to take your messages. And you can also submit messages via Facebook uh, on the Facebook page. And I think we have a first question ready for you, Chris. Are All you right. ready? I'm ready. Starting out the gate. Do you need to do a little bit of stretching? <laughs> Here we go. Maybe we should do some voice I need lessons. one of those little fans that like is blowing in your face and then squirts you. You know what I'm talking about? All right, here we go. So this is a question from from a listener. And they said they're journeying through the book of Exodus right now uh, with Exodus 90. Oh, nice. My husband is doing Exodus 45. Well, he's doing Exodus 45 oh. because he missed the 90 mark. <laughs> so He's done it before, though. He, but he's done it before. Um, we'll come back to that later. Okay. Uh, and they, uh, Sorry. Exodus 90. <laughs> They're going through Exodus 90, and the Israelites just came to the point of crossing the Red Sea. Um, the listener wants to know, do we know anything about where this crossing took place and what the size and depth of the Red Sea was like at the time? Trying to gauge the extent of the miracle when it says that there was a wall of water to their right and to the left. What actually what actually happened there? Uh, yeah, so that's a, that's a great question because, well, I, the reason I think it's a great question is because there has been um, a tendency among some uh, scholars do okay. Here's here's a here's a big word for you to demythologize scripture, to demythologize scriptures. So to naturalize everything that seems miraculous. So the feeding of the five thousand by Jesus was just people actually sharing. The crossing of the Red Sea was just a little breeze that mm. made it. You know, it was already shallow. Yeah, they know. walked across to right. two inches of water right. kind no, of thing. Yeah. No. No, as the, the, as far we don't know exactly because scripture doesn't give us the the detailed location, so we don't know the precise spot of the crossing of the Red Sea. 
Um, but the Red Sea is not, it's not like, it wasn't like, yeah, two inches of water. I mean, um, wherever they would have crossed from Egypt into the wilderness would have been of considerable, de- considerable depth and would have uh, required an actual miracle for the. To- so, was it a wall that was 10 feet high or 100 feet high? We don't ask, uh, or we, we don't know uh, for sure um, what the answer was, um, but it was definitely miraculous. So, mm-hmm. um, archaeologists studying the history of the Red Sea and so on, we know that it would require, even though we don't know the extent of the depth, where they exactly where they crossed um it was definitely a miracle so anytime uh, i don't know about any time at least the vast majority of the time when you're reading scripture and if they uh ascribe a miraculous work generally they mean it just as as as, as it said that is that's a miracle do you know what i mean yeah absolutely and and i know today the red sea is is actually very deep it's um i just pulled it up and it looks like it's like over nine thousand feet almost almost ten thousand feet deep that's two miles <clears throat> so that's a you know wow. that kind of gives us an, a, a sense now and of course many things can can change geographically over the course of 2000 plus uh, more than 2000 years yeah. this would have been yeah. um old like testament 3500 years yeah ago. excuse yeah. me 3500 years um so i think that's interesting too to kind of get a perspective have you 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 have not been to the holy I've not land, been to the holy land. Have it's you? no but it's on my bucket list <laughs> yeah. um I was just talking to someone recently who went to the Holy Land and they were talking about um, it's changed drastically the way in which they read scripture, the way in which they hear the gospel readings, etc. Like it just gives you a a place with a name and... um, I've heard yeah. people describe it as the Holy Land as the fifth gospel because of yeah. that, because it's yeah. so it so enhances rich. their reading. It's so rich, um, enhances their reading of the the, other, the four the four actual gospels mm-hmm. that that it's almost like a fifth mm-hmm. gospel itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know how some radio hosts lead pilgrimages. <laughs> Yes, to I, certain places like the Holy Land. I wonder yeah, if maybe that should maybe, be our next that, gig. That, that could be a thing that, that we do. Uh, hopefully our bosses blast. are listening to this yes, little segment, so. and we would love to. Okay, good. We just got a, a note that said, sure, you can lead a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. <laughs> awesome. Somebody would have to rein us in. That would be that's, out of control. That, that, oh, my gosh. But no, that's a thank you, listener, for that question. I think that's a really beautiful question. Um, another question that uh, has, has come up, this is a bit of a, okay, are you ready for a big right turn this is a, right. a very different question um we are about what two three weeks now away from uh past the super bowl oh yeah uh go chiefs what an exciting game <laughs> from what i watched <laughs> uh real talk um but one of the things that has continued to uh seem to make a lot of noise is the super bowl halftime show yeah uh there was did you watch it uh, I did not at the time. I watched it the next Later. day. Yeah, I watched it the next day, particularly because I had some young women reaching out to me saying, "Hey, I'm like, can we talk about this? What do you think?" Um, and so I said, "All right, well, I need to kind of watch it in order to make a, a a judgment on it in in some way or another." But one of the questions that came up was, "Was this demonic?" Was this was Ooh. this darkness? Um, there was one uh, one Catholic woman um, on social media that was kind of advocating that the 
parallels between what happened at the Super Bowl halftime show and some of the demonic things happening in the satanic, satanic world, whatever, um, religion were, were deeply parallel. So just broadly, um, I know, I don't think you had read that article. I'm not sure I sent it to you, but I am kind of curious, what is your perception of, uh, just culturally, number one, what happened? Did you watch it? No, I didn't. Okay. You saw pictures though yeah. and heard some of yeah. the noise. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm cururious kind of your, so most of what I, most of this, so that's interesting because most of the, so you, as somebody who did end up watching it, you uh, actually be curious in your take. Most of the, <clears throat> the critique that I heard was more about the immodesty, um, yeah. than about demonic elements. So had you read this article before you watched it? Yes. Okay. So you went into watching it prepared to be attentive to yeah. possible demonic elements. Yes. And and quite <clears throat> frankly, I didn't perceive them in the same way that this particular author okay. uh, and uh, blogger was recognizing them. But I'm also pretty unaware and right. unattached to any sort of satanic holidays. Imagine right. that. <laughs> um, I don't put them on that's my calendar, good. you know? That's, that's a good thing. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, so I kind of I kind of went in having read read about it, had heard um, some things, and quite frankly, um, it didn't resonate with me as as deeply in the way that this blogger was uh, articulating. It wasn't like a very very clear. Oh my gosh, yeah, there's evil per se. That being said, I think there were definitely moments where I thought, uh, and actually for the for the majority of the thing. Um, it didn't lead me to anything that was good, true, and beautiful. Right. And it, and in that, it didn't lead me to anything that was really of, of the Lord. You know, it didn't get me contemplating good, good, beautiful things, right. per se. Right. Um, and I think the telltale, though, for me, was that this has made an extraordinary amount of noise. Um, you know, the, the social media war that broke out the next day or even by midnight that night um it, if you could hear it it would have sounded like pots and pans clashing together mm-hmm. and that was for me the aha this is not of god you know mm-hmm. satan likes to make a lot of noise mm-hmm. god is typically really quiet mm-hmm. so uh if you're just if you're just tuning in you're <coughs> listening to real presence live and dr chris bergwald the illustrious dr chris wow. bergwald is here answering your questions of faith you can call in at 877-795-0122 that's 877-795-0122 yeah, i'm not going to anymore until i get voice lessons I don't want to deal with the backlash again. I'm sorry that I judged your voice. <laughs> I apologize for making you feel insecure. Do you want to? Do you want to sing it one time just to get it Not out of your, Only it off your heart? Not. <laughs> you can also ask your questions on Facebook. Our uh, our people are ready to receive your calls. Um, we were talking earlier about the ordination. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the? Oh, go ahead. What you just threw your, talk about. I throw my hands up in the about. air sometimes. You just put your hands <laughs> up like that. <laughs> but I can't sing now, right? Okay, so, so I, I don't get to ask my question. <clears throat> well, you can. You go. Can, go. Save the question. Go. You got so this. So the, the two days later, Emily, I gave a presentation at one of our parishes, St. Thomas More in Brookings, the High Priest of the Land, the role importance of the diocesan bishop, and yeah. somebody Friday um, said, "Chris, I can't be there tomorrow." Give me the like the the nutshell version of of your talk and 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 what I t- told 
this person and what I said on Saturday is I think Emily a lot of times people think of as their of our bishops as sort of like middle management um we know our middle pre- management between the pope and the people exactly well uh, yeah because we know our priest when you think when you think oh, of your catholic leadership we know our our parish priests right yeah. we see them week in week out um we're aware of the pope you know pope francis in this case um our current pope but then uh in the case of our diocese and then there's the guy in sioux falls you know at the cathedral right. of saint joseph who i see him when he comes for confirmation if i go to the confirmation mass um his name's mentioned um at mass we pray for donald our bishop and so on but I, I, what I realized years ago is that I was failing to appreciate the role and importance of the diocesan, well, bishops in general, but particularly the diocesan bishop, because the bishops are the successors of the apostles. Mm-hmm. So the way I answered this person's question, Chris, what are you going to talk about tomorrow in Brookings? I said, when you see the bishop, because this person was about to actually to meet Bishop DeGroote, um, when you see the bishop... It's kind of like you're seeing Matthew or James. Wow. Yeah, I've never thought about it in that way. Yeah. Because they are the successors of the apostles. Mm -hmm. Matthew, James, John, Mm -hmm. uh, Philip. Thomas Bartholomew, Bartholomew Sinus, Sinus, Cletus. Sinus, Sinus, Simon, Simon. What's the next one? Simon, you're getting the Pope now. Oh, dang it! <laughs> um, but, Sixtus Cornelius, Lawrence Popes. Christogonus, yeah. Cosmos and Damian. Look at me, I listen a, at Mass. She is made attention at Mass, the first uh, Eucharistic prayer of the Roman Canon. <laughs> but, but think about that. I mean, so when we see our bishops, we are seeing the successors of the apostles. Wow. That was actually very providential because that was going to be my question. And I want to come back to that and unpack it a little bit more. But we had another listener question come in. Um, what Some of us have heard of an auxiliary bishop. Yeah. What is an auxiliary bishop? Is that just an extra guy? Is that a spare <laughs> yeah. bishop? Uh, what's an auxiliary? Kind of, like the, the, kind of like the spare tire. You pull it out when you need the. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so I mentioned that um, uh, Bishop Andrew Cousins is auxiliary bishop for St. Paul, Minneapolis. An auxiliary bishop is a bishop. He has, he has all of the, for lack of a better word, um, a th- power that comes with being a bishop, but he does not have the authority over a diocese. He works for the diocesan or, or usually the archdiocesan bishop. So taking St. Paul Minneapolis as an example, because it's familiar to most of us in the listening area, um, the archbishop of St. Paul Minneapolis is Archbishop Hebda. Um, but Archb- the, the archdiocese is so large, confirmations, a lot of work to be do, a lot of Catholics, a lot of, lot of other Christians, a lot of non-Christians in general, that um, the, for, for centuries there's been this practice of ordaining and appointing another man as a bishop to assist. So auxiliary comes from the word that means to help, hmm. to assist the diocesan or arch- archdiocesan bishop. So um, Bishop Cousins is a bishop, but he does not have the fullness of authority within the archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. He works for, if you will, Archbishop Hebda. Does that, do you, Do you know which it? diocese has the most auxiliary bishops? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I'm pretty sure it's Brooklyn. I would have thought it would be Washington D.C. So, so would have I. I. I met I met a guy a couple of years ago who works for the Diocese of Brooklyn. How many did they have? Uh, they have like 13. Really? They have a huge number, a huge number. And I'm sure it's based upon population <coughs> yeah. and yeah. upon, uh, you know, what maybe what organizations or what structure is kind of in place there. 
and, what's and, coming out of that and, diocese. And, and I think, so going back to our initial conversation with Father Morgan, um, ethnic diversity. Like, you know, so, so they have a lot of bishops who are able to work with particular ethnicities, particular communities. So I don't know that's literally 13, but it's a huge number. Like when I met this, I'm like, oh my gosh. I wonder how often they meet. That's just a, wouldn't uh, that be interesting to like yeah, be a bug a on that wall? <laughs> yeah. 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 Although, and, and quite frankly, okay, so the, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, they meet... Twice a year. Biannually, twice a year. Semi-annually. Semi-annually. What's biannually? Every Every other year. Dang it. My words this morning are (laughs) failing me. They meet twice a year. And I would think it would kind of be in a similar way, you know, where... um, My guess, I think quarterly. I think, so, you know, probably the most famous auxiliary bishop in the country right now is is Bishop uh, Robert Barron, um, who's auxiliary in Los Angeles. And just based on, I don't know if LA's experience is is necessarily what everybody else does, but I get the sense that they, I feel like he said before, they meet at least quarterly. Mm -hmm. As as bishops. So here's another question uh, that has come up. How is a bishop selected? How does oh, yeah. Pope Francis know who Donald DeGroote is? They've never met. They don't know them. Uh, you know, Pope Francis doesn't go do interviews across the world for new bishops. How does that process work? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. So typically what happens um, is there's a, there's a time of consultation. So we talked yearly about the nuncio. Uh, you mentioned Archbishop Christophe Pierre is our nuncio um, to the United States. Um, so the nuncio does some consultation with usually senior clergy, sometimes lay leaders within a diocese um, that either has lost their bishop or is going to their bishop's going to retire. Um, and then there's some consultation throughout the region with the other bishops in the region. So when when Bishop Swain turned 75, um, there was some consultation um, by paper uh, with with some senior clergy in our diocese and with the other bishops in our region. Um, and 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 just. What are the needs of the Diocese of Sioux Falls? That sort of thing at this point. And then there's also a, okay, uh, other bishops. Um, who do you have on deck, if you will? Like mm-hmm. who, are, who are priests in your diocese who might be able to fit uh, Sioux Falls, fill the needs currently for the Diocese of Sioux Falls? So the, the, generally speaking, again, we don't know for sure this is what literally happened in, the, in our case or each case. Uh, the Diocese of Duluth is currently without a bishop. The Diocese of Rapid City is currently without a bishop. So this process or something like it is going on uh, in, in both of those cases. But generally, the nuncio makes a recommendation to the congregation of bishops in Rome, um, and they discuss it, and they make a, make a recommendation to the Holy Father, and he's the one then who has the last word. Mm-hmm. He's the one who says, I agree with your recommendation or nope I think it's going to be this guy now in our case it's likely that that was the recommendation that was forwarded from the nuncio from the congregation of bishops that Father de Grude of the Archdiocese of St. Paul Minneapolis mm-hmm. will be a great next bishop mm-hmm. for the Diocese of Sioux Falls mm-hmm. yeah beautiful uh, we've had some awesome questions coming in this morning thank you so much for everyone who has called in and written us on Facebook again that number if you're still looking for it is area code 877-795-0122 that's 877-795-0122. Chris Bergwald, Dr. Chris Bergwald, who's the diocesan theologian for the Diocese of Sioux Falls and just happens to be my co-host this morning, uh, is answering your questions of faith. We had a great question come in on Facebook. Uh, Pam on Facebook 
uh, is asking a bit about scapulars. She right. said, with, with children and future adults coming into the Catholic faith, they will be receiving their first scapulars. Uh, side note, my husband cannot find his scapular. And he is a wreck about it. <laughs> I keep on telling him I'm going to find it for him, and then I forget to look. Uh, what can you say about the importance of the scapular and uh, any blessings received for those who wear it? Yeah, the scapular, the brown scapular in particular, the brown we've talked before yeah. about, there are actually a number of scapulars, but the brown scapular is the most well-known. Um, the, the brown scapular is, is a very popular uh, devotion, if you will, practice um, and object. Uh, all, all, it's all those things tied together. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna, in a moment, I'm going to read the actual promise that's ascribed to the brown scapular. But before I do that, just a word briefly, if maybe somebody is not Catholic or, or isn't familiar with the brown scapular, there's all sorts of devotions. Um, the rosary is probably mm-hmm. the most well-known. Different prayer forms that we as Catholics are free to practice or not. And some of them are highly recommended, like the rosary. Um, one of the devotions that's been in the church for several centuries now is a brown scapular. So it's a little piece of cloth. Um, it, it it, it harkens to, frankly, a, 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 a monk's or a sister's habit, mm-hmm. uh, but a piece of, of brown cloth that somebody wears around their neck. It's um, for like, yeah, you wear it around your neck, um, and it's got some promises attached to it. Now, again, it's a private devotion, so not all Catholics wear a scapular. At this point in my life, I right now I I don't wear a scapular, not because I don't believe in them, but just don't feel called to right now. Um, but many many Catholics do, and this is this. This is the, the promise that um, this is a private revelation that Mary gave um, to Simon Stock um, with regard to people who wear the brown scapular. Whoever dies invested, so wearing, this scapular shall be preserved from the eternal flames. It is a sign of salvation, a sure safeguard in danger, a pledge of peace and of my special protection until the end of the ages. So it's a beautiful devotion there. In the words of the promise, and everybody careful here. Um, Catholics who wear the scapular know this, but sometimes people think it sounds superstitious, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, yep. it's, it's, it's not like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Uh, again, Our Lady's promise to what is said. Whoever dies invested, uh, it's a sign of salvation. So somebody who wears the scapular, like your husband, except when he loses it, um, is... Um, this is a, a way of Matt showing his faith. It's a symbol of his faith. And Mary has said, for those who wear it, I will pray in a particular way for them. So you're saying the Boondock Saints is not real. But, <laughs> not so much. Not so I've much. only seen parts of that movie because I just can't handle it. But but the general premise is if I wear, or we go, I think they go to confession or something like that, right? Have you seen this movie? No, Do you know I've what I'm never, talking about? I've heard of the movie. I've never okay, seen. so essentially they commit all these terrible crimes and then keep on going to confession. It doesn't. It, you're saying yes. it doesn't work like no, that. It's not. Like um, I think they actually even wear scapulars. Is what made me think of that. Right. But, um, it, yeah, it doesn't work as a superstitious uh, right. thing. It actually changes us. Exactly. It, so every yeah. morning, you know, when you, I mean, when you're getting ready, you mo- well, Matt doesn't shave because he has a beard, but whatever. When he's brushing he his teeth, he trims. He, trims you know, he sees that scapular, and it's a reminder to us, as all visible signs are, of what our Lord has done for us, and in this case, of what Mary has promised. So mm-hmm. Mary has promised that she will pray in a particular way for those who wear the brown scapular. So it is a beautiful devotion. That is widely encouraged. And again, even though I personally don't wear one right now at this point in my life, um, it's definitely a devotion that I, I, 
enthusiastically support myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, another question kind of related to uh, Our Lady is regarding miraculous medals. Yeah. Is, is that a devotion as well? Are there particular graces that come with a, with a miraculous medal? I'm actually That's not sure question. if there is. So it, it definitely is a devotion. You know, it... Um, oh, I... I, I pray the prayer all the time. What are the, uh, Oh Mary conceived with us and pray for us who have recourse to thee. Yeah. Those are the words on the miraculous middle. Mary conceived with us sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. So, that's a devotion. So many people will either wear um, wear the miraculous medal um, on a chain around their neck, or or carry the medal by itself um, in their pocket, um, and it's there. You know, like many things, you feel your loose change in your pocket. Well, you feel your mm-hmm. miraculous medal, or you see it in the mirror when you're getting ready in the morning. And it's just a reminder. Most people will pray the prayer uh, then, and other times throughout the day. Again, these these devotions are a way they they. Um, are visible symbols that prompt us to pray, to connect with the Lord, and therefore the church extols and praises mm-hmm. them. There's a young woman here in the diocese who has openly shared about um, many incredible graces that have come to her through uh, her devotion to Our Lady, particularly in the Miraculous Medal, and just the ways in which the Miraculous Medal has come to her at times of great need in her life. She mm. found it in her boot. At mm. one point, it had been wow. lost a long time, and she found it in her boot. Um, Later on in life, she was uh, going through a really, um, really difficult uh, miscarriage, and she had put on some sweatpants, and there in the pocket of her sweatpants was a miraculous medal that she hadn't seen in years. And so just the way that Our Lady, I think, kind of comes to us, those are the types of graces that are just extraordinarily beautiful, um, and they change us. Right. And and it's called a miraculous medal for a reason. I mean, there there have been so many miracles that have been associated with this particular this particular practice. So, Pam, thank you for your question. The scapular, definitely a praiseworthy devotion, like the miraculous medal. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you ready for a deep Mary oh question? Go for it. We'll see. Mary co-redemptress. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Can you define <clears throat> that a little bit? What does what does that mean when we say that Mary is the co-redemptress? Yep. Um, you know, we call, we call her the... Oh, my favorite title is the Mediatrix of oh, All Graces. graces right. I mean, how hardcore does that sound? Yep. Uh, make that into a movie. I'd watch it. Uh, but what about co-redemptress? But my favorite title for Mary, and I don't think it's an official one, but a priest I know likes to call Mary the Terminatrix of Heresies. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The, the Terminatrix of Heresies. My favorite is also not official, but I am constantly praying to Mary, Queen of Crabby Hearts. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> when I'm in a... When I'm yeah, feeling frustrated or annoyed or whatever. Mary, yep. Queen of Crabby Hearts, pray for us. <laughs> Amen. But what does re- co-redemptress mean? So, co-redemptress is a title um, that that many people um, uh, use. Call Mary, I guess. Um, it doesn't mean and this is the big misunderstanding. So we're going to start with what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that she's equal to Jesus. So when we think of co, like you and I are co-hosts, mm-hmm. right? So, so I consider myself the lead and you the co. But sure, continue. Usually, <laughs> co. <coughs> most people think co together, means equal yes. together, yeah, right? Together, yeah, like yeah. we're partners Absolutely. in this. But in the case of the church calling Mary co-redemptrix, it means that she is. Uh, somebody who cooperates 
with Jesus in his work of redemption. He's the redeemer. She is the co-redemptrix. She, in a unique way, has cooperated with his work of salvation. Mm. And usually, this is pointed to, so behind uh, where we are at the Catholic, uh, at the Mustard Seed Catholic store, Mm -hmm. there's a crucifix. Mary standing at the side of the cross, um, if you will, in a sense, offering Jesus herself as his mother to the Father. She, in a unique way that you and I never will be able to, participated, cooperated with Jesus in his work of redemption, particularly on the cross. So did he need her? Um, He needed her, I would say, in the same sense that he needed her to be born. Like in an absolute sense, no, but in the actual plan of his... How he decided to utilize the plan. He said, I choose you to participate in this. Just as Eve participated in the fall, so too did Mary participate in the redemption. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I thank you for you did an incredible job answering Thanks. that question. It's a big one. Um, if you're looking for more information on this, I know the Catholic stuff you should know. Guys did a great podcast, kind yeah. of unpacking <clears throat> that um, that title. So you can definitely check that out there. Um, we had some great questions yeah. this morning. Yeah. Uh, we do this every day, by yes, the way. Thank you. So, um, with with various people that are answering questions of faith that come in, uh, and this is a great opportunity if you're wondering about something to ask, and then also to take that information and to share it at coffee yeah, with a friend. Exactly. Um, and maybe you're not Catholic. Feel free to call in. Whether, yeah. If you're another Christian or somebody of a different religion or no religion at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So great job, Chris. I think this Thanks. was a great conversation about. Um, bishops and about yeah just about the church in general so uh coming up next we'll get our weekly update with chris motes of the south dakota catholic conference who is in studio with us he's going to bring us an update on a couple of bills we've been watching and later it's a big event that you don't want to miss uh we'll even be giving away tickets this morning can i win those no or do i just am i disqualified dang it all right all this and so much more coming up on real presence live don't go anywhere we'll be back